Hello and welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we have a very special interview for you with the lovely people from Les Watch TV. My name is Tracy Levesque. I live in Philadelphia, United States, um, and I am one half of Les Watch TV. I'm Mika Epstein. I live in Southern California in the United States, and I'm the other half of Les Watch TV. Les Watch TV is a website Tracy and I run that records and documents all queer, female, trans, non-binary television characters internationally. Uh, in addition to just having a massive database of all of the characters and the shows that they're on, we try to give uh, judgments on whether or not the show is something you want to watch for queer representation or just watch in general. And we write... Uh, Articles about television, about representation on television. Tracy does a weekly article of the queerest things she's watched last week to let you know things that are going on that you maybe might have missed or things that are fantastic and other things that are just kind of awesome. We also have a, a new writer, Nikki, who writes every Friday a Queer Beats article letting you know just general queer news, mostly related to television, sometimes a little bit not. And we've been doing this since, I think, 2014 now. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. 2014 in a few months. Yeah. Great. <laughs> wow. Um, we, um, yeah, so we, we took a look at the, at the about section of your website, and you have a pretty interesting origin story. So could you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. Uh, this is Tracy. I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Mika and I, we are both web developers, and we're both very involved in the WordPress community, and WordPress is open source software you can use to build and run a site, and it runs about 30% of all sites on the internet. Uh, so we met through going to these conferences. We go to conferences all over the world having to do with WordPress. And we hit it off. We figured out that the two of us had an encyclopedic knowledge of queer TV shows and characters and actors um, that were both you know, really obsessed with queer characters on television. And then one day we were watching TV. I was watching yet another show that I watched just for the gay part, um, <laughs> which was uh, Chicago Fire for the um, character of Shay. Even though it wasn't a very good show, I still watch it anyway because that's what we do. And then it, on the season finale, it was like, there's a big fire and somebody died. And then all along the highest, they're teasing that you're going to find out who died. And of course on the premiere of the next season, it was Shay who died. And I was so furious that yet again, another one uh, of our queer characters were died for really no, killed off for no reason, really. It didn't make any sense. And I was complaining to Mika online, and the very next day, she registered the domain name for Let's Watch TV, and we spun up uh, what was like the beginnings of the first iteration of the site. And we got it up and running pretty quickly because they were both very motivated because we were just like, we, we need a database. It needs to be a database to know if the show is worth watching or not. And are there any shows without dead characters on it? And kind of a thumbs up and thumbs down and, you know, queer timelines and that kind of thing. And so we, we built it because we can. Mm -hmm. Great. And, and I mean, it's a very interesting concept of having like a database of shows worth watching and a database of characters who are queer, and you also have a very interesting aspect to your website, which is the uh, the dead queers counter. <laughs> yes, um, and that's yeah. a plugin you can put on any WordPress site. Oh, okay, way. that's that's really yeah. interesting. I'm definitely taking a look at that after we finish the interview. And it's it's great that you guys managed to sort through such a massive amount of 
of material. I mean, you have everything here from uh, like your regular CW teen dramas to cartoons to anime. And is it just the two of you and your um, the third writer that you have that watch all these shows, or do you take suggestions? Like, how how does it work? Oh, we absolutely take suggestions. Uh, the majority of the list, well, the beginning of the list was shows that Tracy and I were personally familiar with and generally invested in. Right around the time that Lexa died, there was a massive explosion of information released on the internet by everyone who was just so mad. Lots of lists came out. Right. So I downloaded all the lists onto my computer and then went through starting to go, okay, these are the ones that are dead, but who else is on the show? And from that, I found all of these listicles, and I just kept adding more and more characters. Uh, I think I was adding a hundred shows a month at peak. And I just was churning it out as fast as I could watching the bare minimum I needed to watch to know about the show in many cases. And from that, I found a lot of people will be a queer character on one show and then they'll also be queer on another show. So you can kind of follow the actors down the line and find more shows. And then there were Wikipedia lists, which are, Wikipedia lists I find to be very hit or miss because they list things that are, it's very implied that they're queer. And I don't consider that to be No, it has queer. to be canon. It, like yeah. the, the characters themselves have to self-declare their orientation. The only time I'm ever considering an exception to that is when you look at things like Sensei, which is, and everyone's pansexual. And you look at Sensei and you go, yes, everybody is pansexual. That, that makes sense. Or Marvel's Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Or the well, yeah. Where well, Susie is Susie is is queer, but she's not self-declared. No, she's very much butch coded though. So right, and they make all these jokes that make you know, aha, she is queer. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And although it's annoying. And my, and my last queerest things I watched last week, which is my weekly recap of everything queer that I watched in the previous week, has a little little mean on a little hard on Mrs. Maisel, even though I adore the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with the man jokes. I'm done with the Susan man jokes. If you're not going to give her any canon relationships when every other main character has relationships of some kind or another in their storylines, then stop it with the man jokes. I mean, is it just one thing because we we're looking through the list and uh, the criteria of the queer characters? And I was was surprised to find um, Janet from The Good Place there as a, as a non-binary well, she robot. she identifies as non-binary. Yeah. She was very clear on that. I was watching the show, and I realized after someone else pointed out, you know, why don't you have Janet? Mm -hmm. I rewatched it, and I realized she's very adamant when someone says that she's a female, that she's not female. Mm -hmm. And at that point, well, yeah, that is, like, non-binary. That's a definition of I'm not just female and not just male. This is a definition therein, so why wouldn't we add her? To be honest, when I when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, but it's it's a very good idea to add it to yeah. add her because mm -hmm. it makes sense and it's and it's a very um very uh, interesting take on what gender is and how people can define themselves. Like, it's actually a good representation. In that <laughs> it's sense. a very good representation. <laughs> and um, it's a fun show too. It's, oh yeah, it's a fantastic show. Um, <laughs> and back to your earlier question, um, yeah. me yeah. me and I have entered in manually just the two of us all of these characters and shows and. I my wife Mia, she fills in the ones that the two of us do not watch, like Game of Thrones and Ray Donovan and a couple other shows that 
Okay. Um, you and I don't watch because I really like the entries. If they're going to have be you know opinionated entries, I want them to be by people who actually watch the shows. Yeah. Otherwise, it's more neutral um, when we haven't watched the shows yeah. or haven't watched them in depth. In my case. Right, but um, all the ones I enter, I, I watch. I watch a lot of television. It's like my second job, um, <laughs> watching television. And so now that we're in this mid-season hiatus, this is when I'm going to catch up on, like, The Bisexual on Hulu and uh, Westworld. Yeah, The Bisexual is really great. I, I, I've, done, I've done, like, a few episodes, but I haven't watched the whole thing. But I, I love what I watch so far. Um, so that's when I'll catch up with, like, web series and things I need to binge, stuff I hadn't finished yet during these little hiatuses, and, like, at the gym when I'm mm-hmm. on the elliptical machine or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I watch, we watch ridiculous, endless hours of television, but I don't mind, because I love television. I don't mind either. I, I mean, I do watch a lot of web series that I wish I hadn't watched. Uh, they, they, the... I say this from a place of love because <laughs> traditional television is just as bad. And I, I, there's a show called the Stephen Weber show that was on, I think CBS, uh, Oh, over 15 years ago. It was abysmal. It's like the worst representation you could possibly have. A bunch of the actors are phoning it in. They're just not, they don't care about the show. I hold that as sort of my peak of the worst regular television, traditional television show I've watched for queer representation. There are web series that, while they're campy and they're cheesy, they try so hard that they're still better than that show. So I watch a lot of bad web series. I think that their intent outweighs their quality when it comes to how good I feel a show is. Right, they come from a good place. So, I mean, you probably have this had this question a lot, but what's a good example of representation for you you mean like a good representation yeah yeah or just like concrete shows because you 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 do have uh this uh, rating system on your website and you have the mm-hmm. uh, little hearts and the gold star so what would oh, you recommend yeah. <laughs> the hearts well if you want to look at what we the three of us recommend um look at the hearts because those are the shows that we love and uh, like i i want to have the shows we love because i want people to go to go to our website find characters that they identify with and then shows that portray them in such a way where you feel good about yourself and it's positive representation. Um, So the hearts are shows that we have officially endorsed as good shows that we love. So at my like top examples, um, I I listened to your Nicole Payson interview and All About Me um, is on, anyone but me, sorry, is on our shows we love list because it's a great show. I love it. And, you know, we have a one day at a time on there because I absolutely love that show and the way that they show not just Elena's sexuality, but everyone else dealing with it and coming to terms with something they hadn't expected and from a place of love. And it just, it delighted me so much. And I wanted that show growing up so badly. The shows we love are definitely ones that I would sit down and watch. They may not always be happy endings like i'm watching vita and i'm not sure how happy the ending is going to be but it's still a show that i think gives very realistic representation of the complicated nature of family of sexuality when things are not always what they seem and all of that coming together and vita is a good example because not it's it's a very intersectional show as well um it's like primarily uh latinx cast you have 
varying gender representation, which presentation representation, which is rare. Mm -hmm. um, you don't see a lot of butch women um, on TV. So that's another great thing about Vita. And it's just so well done. And I love Emma. I love her so much. So it's a great show. Yeah. Um, Legend, Legends Tomorrow is another one oh, yeah. recently added. Um, the thing that's so great about Legends is that they have just gone their own way in the Arrowverse. And they're, they're really giving the fans whatever we want. Yeah, and they're, they're also breaking the fourth wall. Like, they were in the last crossover. And, oh yeah, and it was uh, yeah, incredibly gay. And also, no, no, the crossover <laughs> was very gay, but we sold the whole Supergirl with tension. That oh, that's not even yeah. Um, right. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, there's there's not a lot of representation of male bisexuality on TV. Yeah, yeah and they're bringing it, and that's fantastic. Yeah, and also they have like several queer representation in one show, and they yeah. just don't care. And, uh, and I mean, Sarah Lance is like one of the longest running most powerful uh bisexual leads of a show ever only one <laughs> she's not the only one no. there, there's another bisexual lead and she gets discounted a lot but clark from the hundred yes. has been bisexual since day one and has been the main character of that show since day one yeah you can forget that the hundred is still uh, exists. I try yeah. to forget. Yeah, that. I've, I've like erased it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a bisexual, and then there's also uh, how to get away with murder. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. He's a lead bisexual. And uh, we were also um, we invited to to your website. You also have a, a very nifty um, uh, statistic thing for uh, for tropes. Oh yeah. <laughs> which uh, to me it was surprising that I didn't recognize it as a trope. The whole you know in love with a straight character thing. That is something yeah. that, you know, the dead queers, we all know this one. Mm -hmm. But that, the other one, it, it's so ingrained and it's so like, you know, it just, it just happens so often that I didn't even pay it any attention until you pointed it out that it's something that is quite harmful and quite ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, so how do you, how do you have, um, like, what is your system with tropes? Do you just kind of watch a bunch of shows and then spot the like all the similar things or do you go on like the, one of those trope wikis that amass those like what is your system for for that we've, we've made them up ourselves i think just from watching decades of television and I think watching so much television yeah yeah, yeah we have a, some notes some uh notebook notes of you know writing down tropes and now, I think we have come up with new ones, Mika, right? We have. I, I fairly recently added uh, one about a, I can't remember what I called it, but it's about, oh, teacher-student relationships. Mm -hmm. Because somebody else pointed out to me how many, especially historical dramas, end up with that as being the, the lesbian storyline du jour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. And, and also the I'm oh, sorry go on. no I was going to say and also it's kind of really do I have to add that but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it, it is important to list the harmful and the, the good tropes though because we've got you know big gay wedding which can be a great thing mm. yeah I mean, when it's not just user ratings. Do we yes. need to talk about Voltron? No. <laughs> no. Oh yes talk about Voltron I watched it I, I don't think Tracy has no, I listened to your episode though, where you talked about Voltron. I listened to, I listened to, I crammed a few episodes today, <laughs> and I listened to uh, the fandom one about Voltron. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, the thing yeah, that's is, that's why I was upset about the finale. <laughs> yeah, we need to update that episode because things happen in the finale that a lot of people are not 
glad about. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird situation if you have a a gay on kiss and on on, on screen, screen kiss in a in a, in a kid show and you have a, a, a gay wedding and yet and yet it doesn't feel like we have anything to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> If I if I was adding those characters, they're cis males, so I'm not. We're not yeah, going to add yeah, them to the site. Yeah. But if we were, and this was that kind of site, I would have flagged it queer for ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was, it, it they were backgrounded, mm-hmm. uh, male and female were backgrounded. Yeah. It, like I, it was a blink, and you would have missed that there were lesbians. Really frustrated me. Um, but it was, it was, it felt like tokenism. Like they were just, oh, and we're going to be cool and give you a gay character. Here you go. Also, it really felt like Ezra was dead. Yeah, so, no, there is like a huge gap with the whole editing of the show, which it feels like it's missing a lot of very key scenes when it comes to the queer representation. Yeah, to me at least, I mean, it's a weird situation. Will to do that 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 queer for rating things because in the one hand you you kind of, okay okay that's that's still good it's there. Mm-hmm. But it's not good representation. Yeah. No, it's not good representation. Uh, if you've noticed, we've got scores on shows, which give kind of a numerical value of how good a show is. And the math for that is insane. But one of the things it includes is that if it has queer for ratings, some of the other tropes that might have been good are marked as bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, a big gay wedding, if it comes with queer for ratings, is considered a harmful trope mm-hmm. because, you know, oh, we're going to have a big gay wedding in one episode and then we will never talk about the queers again. Hello, friends. Yeah. Example mm-hmm. friends. Example friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have the, I think you have also the happy, happy ending mm-hmm. trope. Which that is, that's, a, that's, that's a positive. That's a positive. It's a positive, but it's so rare. <laughs> Yeah, we need uh, we, have to, we need more of these. We have like fifty-seven shows with the episode. So fifty-seven out of over two thousand shows, though, and including things where it's not even explicit because you have the Legend of Korra there. Mm. We are talking about kids' show, and it's and it's, it became explicit because they talked about it, but in the show it, it really became explicit wasn't. because of the comics. Yeah, it became explicit because of the comics. But yeah. I flagged it as happy ending before the comics came out mm. because. The show ended with a couple together and happy, and and that was the end of it. Comics, sadly, even though they are in universe canon, I don't consider canon for this site, which is why Buffy's not on the website. She's bisexual in the comics, but she's not. She was never on the television shows, so sorry, Buffy. Let's let's uh, let's talk. Um, since we're on your podcast, let's talk bisexual representation oh, yeah. and pansexual yeah. representation in the media. I have some statistics that I brought up. Okay. So, um, of all the characters on our website, bisexual is the second largest orientation at 23.2% or 782 characters. Now, homosexual is 64.1%, so still uh, a a lot more. Um, And pansexual is 94 characters or 2.8%. So, if you combine those two, we're at about a quarter. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is it's it's getting better i i do i'm an optimist i do think things get better yeah. um and i think especially in the last couple of years shows have been listening to people's complaints and trying to do a better job with our representation now especially since we have out by actors fighting for their characters to be by like rosa diaz on uh yeah. brooklyn 99 yeah. also alan <laughs> your, your best friend, yeah. Allie Liebert. 
I'm or she, she identifies as lesbian or bisexual. I can't. She identifies as queer, but okay. I don't think she's bi. Um, also, um, Sarah Maris. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Fighting for her characters, and uh, she she has done so much for bi visibility on television. Yeah. Um, so it's it's folks like that who are who are pushing it on you know mainstream network television, which you know makes me feel. <laughs> optimistic about how things are going it's it's for sure getting better uh, yeah. in terms of representation but as you said we are like joking about the, the by lead and but it's yeah it's it's getting slowly um slowly better in that in you do you have like overall because you've been doing that for uh, for a few years now do you have the feeling that it's it is getting better or maybe it's just uh you know it's an impression that we have, but it's like you know, it's a whole again the whole Voltron thing. You you see you see more representation, but is it actually better? So if you look back at historical representation of bisexuality on television, it was generally ascribed to uh, pardon me the slutty bisexual mm-hmm. or the bisexual who will always end up with a man. In the last four years, that's made a marked turn. And that stopped being the case. We're allowed to have the bisexual who ends up with a woman or who prefers women but sometimes likes men, like Sarah Lance, which is an important distinction Mm -hmm. that people have this strange concept that because they're bisexual, it means 50% male, 50% female. And that's not how math works, but we'll let that part, you know, just sit over there. We've got more bisexual leads, especially on the CW. They have a surprising amount of, uh, I would say, sexuality diversity mm-hmm. on their on their network for the number of characters that they have, which is significantly less than show the stations like CBS or ABC. Mm-hmm. They're showing more diversity. They're showing more possibilities. They're showing more and more characters that are bisexual or pansexual or not monosexual, I think would be the better way to say that. And of those characters, more and more are being the heroes. We used to see the evil bisexual. Now we're seeing the hero space captain, time traveling assassin. (laughs) I love Sarah Lance so much. (laughs) So I, I do think it is getting better just by what kinds of characters I've been adding and what their storylines have been. Right. Like I think, um, my one example is Nova Bordelon on um, Queen Sugar. I love Queen Sugar. It's an amazing show. But I feel when you have a bisexual character on TV, it's either they're kind of bisexual in name only. Like they're either they're mostly going out with uh, women, but then I don't know. It's it like uh, Alice in the L Word. You know, mm-hmm. she was uh, identified as bisexual for a minute, but then was you know never mentioned mm-hmm. again. But in Borlaug, she um, has been with both men and women, but mostly men up until now. And she's an out. Mm-hmm. Um, Rutina Wesley is uh, is out herself, which is great. So I feel like, you know, along the spectrum of bisexuality, pansexuality, there's more representation there than ever before. In terms of, you know, what makes good representation, it's, it's important to, um, to have a like, diversity of character and, and, and also... Um, as you said, like for Sarah Lance, the fact that bisexuality is not like necessarily a 50-50 uh, type of thing. One of the functions of good representation um, would be to be, um, you know, to uh, be reassuring about the future. 
And I have to say that I was I was going through the list of a bio presentation I have I have in in head and and I don't think I've seen a storyline with a with a with a bio character who manages to have a, you know not necessarily the fairy tale happy ending who manages uh, their relationship and the whole you know go behind the whole. Um, greedy or cheating trope um that there's there's i don't see any uh presentation of someone um being able to uh, navigate uh, either a monogamous relationship so with one person one gender and and dealing with still being bi at the same time or being in a poly relationship but i i don't think i ever saw that uh being represented because it's uh, a major you problem her. Sure. You you her. Her. yeah yeah you her is yeah. a, a... Yeah. Polyamorous triad. Yeah, but I don't think it's exactly good representation. Oh, it's okay. I mean, it's. I do, I do enjoy Yumi Her. Um, and I think some parts of it are. I mean, the, the whole thing's kind of unrealistic. I feel like the show in general is unrealistically written. Yeah. But I think there are some parts of it that are decent. It's respectful, at least. It's not. To me, I don't find it sensationalistic, personally. But, I mean, it's not perfect. We don't have a, a perfect... Yeah. I'm, trying, I'm, going, I'm going through my own database mm-hmm. in my head of, like, a perfect polyamorous um, representation on television. I mean, part of, the, part of the problem that we have is that the more bi-representation we get, the more uh, normal it becomes. Yeah. And from that end, when you look at bi-representation on a show like Madam Secretary, mm-hmm. where we've got Sarah Ramirez's mm-hmm. character, and we have that other uh, young gentleman who's also bisexual... And their sexuality really isn't the plot point. It comes up every once in a while. I would say that uh, Sarah Ramirez's character there has a happy life. She is ma- uh, she's partners with a man right now. They're raising a child together, but she's very clearly and very openly okay. uh, non-monosexual. But because it's not a plot point in the way that we're going to see her happy marriage or whatever her relationship format is, I've forgotten right now, um, doesn't give the appearance of being that. And then, of course, we have things like the entire Shondaland roller coaster series mm-hmm. where everybody's life is going to blow up at some point in time. So, so no one's happy ever. Yeah. They're happy for like 10 minutes at a stretch. Yeah. But, I mean, that's important also because, at least with Shonda, every single character is treated fairly. And mm. normally I, I argue that that's, you know, that's a cop-out. The, the whole, not everybody gets to be happy. And, you know, you point at things like um, uh, The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones mm-hmm. where things, terrible things happen to everybody. But why does it feel like it always happens to all of the queer representation? In Shonda's land, everything happens to everybody. And she's actually even-handed about that. Yeah. No. No. There. No one is happy. So that was. Right. <laughs> well, even Miranda. Even Miranda and her dude are on the rocks right now. And now they're like the longest running. Yeah. Marriage, I think, in all of Grey's well, Anatomy. And she already divorced once. I also I forgot about him. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know the father of a son. Right. No. I mean, yeah. No. She. She already divorced once. So, but actually, I didn't have. I didn't uh, think about the Madame Secretary. Yeah, the new Sarah Ramirez character because just I think just a storyline like that, even if it's in background, it's important to show that yeah, it's it's possible to live a life and that being by doesn't mean that you're going to be constantly uh, unhappy in your relationships. Because it's a real concern mm-hmm. in, in, in young um, bisexual 
people. I mean, I think that just goes to show that having people involved, you know, queer queer actors playing queer characters and queer writers handling Mm -hmm. the plot of the story just makes a world of a difference. Yeah, absolutely. That's why Vita is a good, you know, uh, that's why some of our favorite shows have out queer people in the writing rooms and as creators and showrunners. You can and actors. Uh, like the bold type fairly uh, in the last season they hired a bunch more queer writers and while a lot of people feel that the second season was very uneven when it came to uh, the overreaching arc of what happened with the, with the characters um, you know go Kadena shush uh, it still is that that storyline was still important of people figuring out who they are and you could tell that it was being told from a queer perspective as opposed to the male gaze perspective, which really does have a different vibe to it. You can really tell when, when there are queers writing queer characters or around queer characters. Yeah. They, they, they showed some of the, not that, not that good aspect of it, like the whole searching thing and, and the way it's been handled. But I think it was well done in a way that it's not always, Easy and and yes, mistakes can be made. <laughs> people don't always wake up and go, "Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm by." That's how it was supposed to be. Off I go. And I felt that it was also very in character for Cat because oh, yeah. how she was presented from the very beginning was someone who hated labels, someone who was kind of flighty in a different way than her friends. And throwing this whole new scenario in front of her, we got to see her being an extended version of that character we'd seen before. It wasn't necessarily great, but Kat hadn't been known for great decisions in the first place, so I felt that that was very consistent. I thought it was also good that Adina opened up the relationship so Kat could experience, like, it's like, when you when you first come out as a grown-up, it's like going through adolescence, like, as a grown-up, right? Um, so I thought that was a mature storyline for the time. Now, I don't necessarily ship them anymore because mm-hmm. I think I don't know I think the characters have like grown apart and it doesn't make sense anymore but they could grow back together nah <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that aspect of it I think they're you know even though all this is going on they're both very kind of mature throughout the whole thing about mm-hmm. everything right and that's important too is to show adults facing issues as opposed to just you know kids having problems and and being you know veronica and archie and betty and all of the just the absolute teen drama having adults go through things and say well let's talk about what are what are we feeling what's going on and that's things that adults do and we need to see that too and i also wanted to ask since we we did have that conversation on twitter about charmed the other day how, how do you view these like reboots and remakes of shows uh, just today, the I think it was today, yeah, that the news came up. They're gonna actually reboot Queer as Folk, the the British oh one. Yeah. So <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah, apparently. So I mean, they're remaking Queer as Folk. They remade Charmed. They added a bunch of queer characters to Charmed. You know, there's all of these new things coming up that reuse old material and like queer it up in in some mm-hmm. ways. So what are, what are your views on that? Well. Oh my gosh, I'm like, make something new, people. I'm so tired of reboots. Now, I, I do love Charmed, but I think also maybe I love it because I didn't watch the original one. Um, I watched the original. But I, I but I do love the new Charmed. I find it very entertaining, and I love the characters. Um, but somebody write something original, please. 
So like, that's that's my life. Read with the facts of life. Read with the facts of life. So I grew up reading mythology. I loved Greek mythology, Roman mythology, any kind of mythology. You throw it at me, I wanted to read it and read the stories. And in doing so, I kind of started to recognize as a kid how many of those stories were being retold over and over and over again. How many times do we see a modern take on a Shakespeare story? Well, Shakespeare was taking a story that somebody else had envisioned and rewriting it for his purposes as well. When it comes to that, I look at remakes and reboots and saying, well, if it's inspired by, that's one thing. You know, if we're going to make another queer spoke and it's just going to be about a new set of gay guys and their lesbian friends, fine. Knock yourselves out. I wish you'd give it a new name, but whatever. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with the new Charmed because it does address some of the issues that hamstrung the old Charmed, which was they weren't allowed to be as progressive as they wanted to be. And it was very clear that that was a show trying hard to be feminist in an era when that just wasn't what you were going to see on television. Now it is, and so they're taking advantage of a story they couldn't tell then. They're taking advantage of a universe. I see that not as a problem at all. I'm glad to see it. At the same time, for God's sake, can we name things different? Can we take the same concept but give it a whole different setting? Make it an alternate universe like they do in fan fiction. Give the characters new names and knock yourself out. The best part of retelling the old stories, though, is that you get the uh, the original fans back in yeah. but you run a really high risk of getting what happened with the X-Files which was really we rebooted the series for this yeah. I, I, I would much rather see a reboot like Charmed than I would see a resurrection like Roseanne or uh, the X-Files or Will and Grace I have to say that when it comes to uh, just queer as folk but also like the L word as well mm. um, that it'd be interesting to and maybe for queer as folk interesting to see it now yeah. because those, those sure from a time where representation wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. It was really, they were one in a kind. And now it'd be interesting to see, um, not necessarily we do the same show, but like the same type of concept in a, in a day and time where it's different. Yeah, I was I was thinking like queer. I mean, I, I one of my first queer shows was Queer Folk, the the US it's, version. It's your gay awakening. It's, it's my gay awakening. And <laughs> even though it was it was mostly centered on gay cis men. Still, I found them much more relatable than like ninety percent of the characters I saw on television because there was something inside me that was like, "You're people." Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I ship Brian and Justin so hard when they when Brian finally told Justin, "I love you." I, I do not cry. I'm not a crier. I cried when Brian finally, after all these years, told Justin that he loved him. I'm like, "Oh my god, I love this show." Yeah. Right. So I was just thinking, like these kind of shows you know collective shows uh with with such a big cast that their relationships kind of revolve around the same issues and they have the time to discuss those issues like the l word like queer spoke also to a lesser extent sex on the city which i mean they treated bisexuals like garbage but you know yeah. those those format shows it would be really interesting to see them nowadays in our era of you know more progressive media more representation well, wouldn't Sex and the City be the bold type then? Which is like a, a freaky thing to think about, but it's a woman who's a writer who has sort of that inner narrative that kind of is annoying to the rest of us and really how we a writer, Jane. And she's got a bisexual friend. And she hangs out with her best friends all the time. Yeah. And they're in New York. I mean, just a little bit younger. Maybe you you put it if you move it to HBO. Oh, yes. Well, thank God we don't. Yeah. The thing about the L word, I mean, I, I feel like the L word 
needs to not be rebooted with any of the same producers. Yeah. Like, I, I, I am kind of attracted to the L word reboot because I know some of the actors are involved, some of the out actors, and that's really cool, but I mean, she has to go, man. She can't be involved or else it's just going to be bad again. I, I, I watched the L word. When it came out, we used to have L word parties. If we're actually one of our parties in the, is in the season three DVD extras because they're doing a, a documentary on L word parties, and we would have like tons of people over our house every Sunday to watch. And um, but the show was terrible. I thought it was awful. <laughs> um, but you know, we watched it and made fun of it every time. But I just I feel it can't be the same team of people making the same terrible show over again. Oh no, it has to be new people. In a weird way, that comes back to what we were talking about with the marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, Amy Sherman Palladino also did Gilmore Girls, which has an abysmal track record when it comes to homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And w- we look at other uh, Eileen shows, and you've got what, uh, what's the one she's done? Um, it, Empire. Not, Empire. Thing. I was thinking Star, and like that's not right. Mm-hmm. Empire, which has horrible representation. It's just like evil bisexuals. Hi. Mm-hmm. She does that over and over and over again. And it's disturbing to see that because she gave us some queer representation, because she gave us some characters that we like, people are willing to give her a lot more leeway and permission to do things that if it was any other show writer, we'd be up in arms over. But because she's queer, we give her a pass. And I find that really frustrating. I don't think our community gives her a pass. I think the straight world doesn't right. how terrible she is. <laughs> well, the circle, but she's queer and she's making queer TV. You shouldn't be fighting against that. I think that's why it is. Yeah, and... and Oh, I'll fight against it. Yeah. No, I will fight against it too, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's seeing the majority of the world around us think that that's okay representation. Yeah. And it feels like there's nothing we can do to, to say to them, you know, yes, it's representation, but it's not really great representation. Have you met these other shows that do it much better? Can we give these other people a chance? And I mean, media representation in general is pretty white male still. Mm-hmm. Everything on CBS, for God's sake. Yeah. I think you bring up a pretty good point also that you know, what we, we just discussed with Voltron, what, we, what you just mentioned as well, is that we are, as the queer community, we are so used to kind of picking up the scraps and being thrown yeah. a bone when it comes to representation that we'll take anything. Like Yeah, I, I call it the queer crumb grab. Yeah, 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 like those two characters, they made such intense eye contact. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and it... I mean, that's rooted also in the history of censorship. Yeah, of course, but but it's time to move past that, I believe, and especially if there are so many networks and so many creators that are trying to position themselves as progressive and queer-inclusive and whatnot, you know, it just feels like they're not not really um, walking the walk when it comes to that. All of this kind of thing comes down down to money, though. It's like, I, I think... Even though people talk about diversity and inclusion, they're still too afraid to uh, roll the dice on not making a lot of money from a show. That's why they go for the same old formulas, same old cis white male uh, character leads. Yeah, and I think it, you know what you what you just said about the the money. You know, no one expected that um, Crazy Rich Asians would make so much money at the box office, and yet it, they did. Well, only 
perhaps everybody else besides yeah. traditional media. Yeah, and Wonder Woman too. And, yeah, Wonder, and Woman. Wonder Woman as well, because it's like women don't need a movie about women. What are you talking about? And there's this yeah. huge market just waiting to give them their money, but there is still this you know, real lack of risk-taking when it comes to mm-hmm. movies, and they'd rather do another uh, Avengers sequel when you're real. Exactly. Yeah. Did you hear about uh, what the kerfuffle that happened at CBS with their new Magnum P.I. reboot, speaking of wonderful reboots? What happened? Um, so they have a non-white lead character, and that's great, but there's not a single person of color, apparently, in the writer's room. Oh. And CBS had the gall to say that they couldn't find any Latinx writers. That seems and statistically impossible. Yeah. Because they're not. It's impossible. It's impossible. And I only found out about that because uh, I, I follow um, Gloria Calderon Kellet, mm-hmm. and she tweeted, she's like, Really? Would you like a list? Here you go. <laughs> yeah. And a whole mess of writers were like, Here, have a list of people we know would love to write for your show. Oh, you want someone who writes action, manly drama? We've got those people here too. They just don't want to look outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. They don't and want so to do they, the work necessary to actually right. have and real I, diversity and inclusion. And I don't think that's the case that they're worried about not about the show not making money i i I think that it it, it's a much larger socio-political issue in the world where it's just well honestly i think it's just flat-out racism where they're afraid of losing power right even though you know you have oh you have power over a television show guess what we're not watching your shows (laughs) (laughs) and it the more we realize we have the power of just well just don't watch the damn show Watch this other show. Yes, it's got queer characters, you straight people who are afraid of that for some reason. But it's also got fantastic storylines. It's got funny things. It's got drama. It has everything you're looking for, and it's not the same old show. And the more people we can drive over to that in and outside of the community, the better I think all stories will be. Even though a woman like Shonda Rhimes is hugely successful... Um, they still are too nervous to take a chance on, like, these not straying from the old formulas. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, Shonda stuff doesn't really stray from the old formulas quite as much as we wish they did. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's soap opera, which I yeah. love. Raised on soap opera. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but her characters are completely diverse. <laughs> Fully fleshed. And I think another another issue with um, with representation right now is also the fact that, I mean, not to sound mean or anything, but a lot of these shows are produced in the U.S. And when it comes to depicting queer characters, the censorship in the U.S. is still quite prudish. Oh, and, yeah. You um, can be mean. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Various channels. I, I'm, I'm quite disparaging about the state of American television. It's it, it's that no, right, definitely. If you see like British shows like Cucumber Banana, etc., way more racy, and that's that was regular network television, right? Yeah, yeah, and way more you know uh, racy than you know what they would show here on regular network television. So yeah, you're right. right. I mean, the difference between American and British television boils down to our watershed hour, which is after the after the time that kids go to sleep, we can watch things like CSI. You can watch things like Sugar Rush. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's kind of where the line is, is that, you know, Americans think that adult viewing means 
mm. horrible things mm. like, like Law and Order SVU, like CSI. I mean, I love CSI. Don't get me wrong, but the show was Gore Factor. Yeah, and like Gotham, and it doesn't show good representation. It just shows dark representation. And also CSI would be like primetime TV here. Yeah, here CSI is all over. Yeah, every single day, time, point yeah. time, like, there's no, yeah, all the time. And, right. But now we have cable and streaming services, so a show like Vita, which is not, which <laughs> bring, brings it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, we have shows like that, shows on Hulu, etc. Even if you look at shows like The Good Fight, the difference between the storytelling that they can do on The Good Fight and The Good Wife, and the mm-hmm. only difference is that one is on their streaming only network mm-hmm. and one was on regular mm-hmm. it's it's clearly not that they don't want to tell those stories it's mm-hmm. that they can't it's it's also quite surprising that you know there are so many shows that are being commented on by the um like i don't, I don't remember what it's exactly called the, the parental council or something like the outraged oh. parents who watch shows and say that it's not for their kids mm-hmm. yeah, they're and, not an official government anything they're just a bunch of busybodies yeah but you know <laughs> these are these are the people who ultimately end up in the government because they're mostly straight white men who are parents and you know let's think about the children and um the the, the it, to me it's still quite surprising and quite shocking the fact that our you know kids kids these days consume so much violent media and there's like you said so much gore uh, even in cartoons, and oh, yeah. yet LGBTQ material is still considered like sixteen and over. Right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like my my daughter's twelve, and her and all of her friends are a diverse collection of uh, sexual orientations and gender orientations, and it's really pretty beautiful, actually. Like they're it's it's nothing to them. Like things that grown ups can't understand or are weird about it is. They don't miss a beat with it. And so they're all huge Steven Universe fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk about Steven Universe for a little bit. I mean, that's that's oh, yeah. a kid's show that is just doing amazing things in representation. Mm-hmm. And fairly decent by representation as well, if you think about it. I mean, yes, mom dies, but uh, that's not a spoiler. She's dead at the start of the show. Uh, but it does but, she, but she's really out by from yeah. the beginning. And it's pretty good for um, like talk about emotions and emotional regulation as well um I, yeah I and uh, mindfulness yeah uh, and oh, dealing yeah. with anxiety i mean it, it really mm. deals with that show packs so much into it in such a way that isn't like an after school special but you really feel it you know mm-hmm. yeah. and since you um since you brought up steven universe uh, another thing i wanted to address is that you do have both um u.s american cartoons and you also have anime on the uh, on the website um, and it's interesting how queer representation has always kind of been in anime, like for, for a very long time since like the eighties or the seventies, even it's been there. And yet American cartoons are only just beginning to introduce it. And they're introducing it in a very good way, like in Steven Universe, like in Korra, uh, She-Ra, the new, the new reboot of She-Ra mm-hmm. is fantastic with that. So there's, there still seems to be a lag when it comes to educating children Oh, on sure. on sexuality and what do you what do you think that that boils down to like what is the reason for that? <laughs> I think I think we this one <laughs> we we live in like two Americas right like the school I live in Philadelphia we're like a really progressive city you know the parents that I know are demanding like progressive sexual uh, education and my kid gets that after school 
she goes to a friend's school, it's a Quaker school, um, and they learn about consent, they learn about everything, and it's really great. Like, I actually went to their, they have a, where the sex ed teacher will give a talk about what they're going to learn that year, and I was like, I was blown away. I'm like, this is amazing. Then we live in an America where it's abstinence-based education, and it's like, you know, two ends of the spectrum. So you have folks that are pushing for things to be more progressive, and you have shows like Steven Universe, but the vast majority is still just, like, so scared and nervous to talk about sex at all. And then they think for some reason, like, kids won't be able to understand concepts about sexual orientation and gender orientation when they absolutely do they do more than grown-ups do it's not an issue for kids (laughs) not at all it's not at all an issue like what in from third grade going into fourth grade one of my daughter's classmates transitioned and the kids didn't miss a beat they changed the pronouns changed the name and no one uh, bat an eyelash at it. It just—it was natural, and it was—and it just happened. Now the parents, of course, it like broke their brains. You know, they can't figure it out, and that's what people don't realize about kids is they can understand things way better than we can because they don't have a lifetime of misinformation fed to them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, to wrap up, because we we already have a lot of material, and we thank you guys so much for talking to us. <laughs> And this is kind of a tropey, cliche question in itself, but what's your ideal representation? Oh. <laughs> you want to go first? I'll go first because in a very twisted way, I've already said it. Uh, my ideal representation is that we get characters like we do on Madam Secretary everywhere. That it's just there. Everywhere, every single television show on every single network in every single country, there is representation to the point that it's unavoidable that there isn't a single show you could watch that doesn't have at least one queer character and not having it shoved down anyone's throat, just they're queer, they're here, everybody needs to get used to it because at that point, we'll have a variety of things to watch and it will be normal and it will be accepted because everything has it just like every show has a lead character every show has a queer character that shows up if not a regular then a recurring but just something there everywhere gosh i don't know like ideal is hard to pin down because something that would be ideal for me is not ideal for someone else and i don't like the idea that queer people have to be perfect or really any marginalized person needs to be perfect when the majority can be, you know, awful, can be murderers, and it's not a reflection of their, you know, orientation or cultural background, right? So I want to get to the point where TV reflects reality. You have queer characters on television of all orientations and gender orientations, um, and they can just be themselves. Don't have to be perfect, but don't have to be evil either. And if I had to cook up like a I'm sure then I'm like also thinking like ooh what would be like my favorite, like a show that I would think was perfect like I'm I'm still holding out like I'm I'm biracial and half Filipino I'm still holding out for the uh the half Filipino lesbian <laughs> on uh <laughs> on television you know you, you want crazy rich Asians 
<laughs> That's an amazing Queers concept. Crazy with conclusions. Um, yeah. yeah, like I would love to have like a, you know, a Hoppa character, Hoppa queer character, and and actually, um, Isabel on uh, Strangers is maybe the closest. And she's, uh, that's also another great uh, example of bi-representation. Because um, she talks about being biracial on the show. And that's something that just doesn't happen. You're either put into one category or another, and they don't really talk about the unique uh, issues that biracial people face. So I like that. Like the, maybe, maybe they could be a computer nerd too. That would be cool. <laughs> So basically a character that is realistic and human? Yeah, because like, you know, like I, when you grow up not seeing yourself on TV, you're able to, you don't need to identify specifically with the character to enjoy the character. And actually I like seeing things from a different perspective, different from me, from mine. But it would be really sweet if for once in my life I got to see a person like me on television. I'd like to see a Tracy on TV, too. I think she'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's, I mean, hopefully with the way the the trajectory is going, we will get more diversity and more representation and more intersectionality in television soon enough, hopefully in our lifetimes. (laughs) It is, we added an intersectionality um, uh, uh, category to sites and that's that's pretty recent that's within the last year so you can actually click on some of those terms like diverse cast or uh like person of color like majority cast like beta or one day at a time or black lightning shows like that and you can see shows that have really good intersectionality and, and we're only listing shows that have positive intersectionality by the way so like if a show is really good for multiple religions we're going to add that as as good for religious intersectionality but if we have a show that's just showing them all as the bad guys we're not listing it i think that's uh it's a great way to approach it especially for someone like a lot of a lot of queer teenagers and people who are just coming out in general they turn to television to see themselves and to figure this, themselves out mm-hmm. and to have a database like yours at their fingertips and to see, mm-hmm. you know, this is something I can watch to make myself feel better or to right. not necessarily take it as a manual for qu- the queer life, but to um, to see that this is, that people can live like this and can live happily like this. I think that's a great, great thing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why we built a site. Like, like if you're a... Uh... Uh, transgender, bisexual, male, and you want to see shows with characters like you where you don't die, mm-hmm. you can just go click, click, click on our database and find those shows and go see them. That's that's why we built this, because we want people to find representation, positive representation that they can relate to. And just like you found Queer as Folk, and that was your, your lightning rod, your opening to, oh, hey, maybe... I'm connecting with these people for a reason. If we can make it easier for just one person to find themselves, to come out, and to be whoever they really are and not be afraid of that, then I think we've had success. Right. And it's not just it's not just young people, it's like even you know, middle-aged folks like us, you know, like we still need that positive reputation. We you've, you've grown up not having that at all, barely. You know, we need it too. Everyone needs it. Everyone needs to be able to see themselves and be entertained by shows where characters that are like that. So it's a difficult question. Um, do you do you plan on adding um, cis men as well to your database? 
the, the short answer is no, because we are not subject matter experts. Okay. On on that, and we just don't have the you know we have just not watched like a ton of those shows. But if someone wanted to build a site similar to this to cover those, I would be more than happy to help them get set up and show them how to create right. a database, how to write the code. I, I would be very happy to do that. It's just not something I have the time or inclination for at this moment. And all of our code is up on GitHub, and we yes. have well documented. So if um, you know a gay man like wanted to, you know, make a site just like ours that had uh, cis men in it, of all. Right, uh, sexual orientations, we'd be happy, happy to share our code and help them get set up. So, yeah, thank you so much for talking okay. to us. I just had a thing that I didn't want to mislead you. I yeah. just want to ask a question because I was looking at the list of tropes, and there's mm-hmm. no, um, I, don't, I didn't see anything about the hypersexualized uh, bi or a, a lesbian. <sighs> Oh, oh I think uh, see, promiscuous. We were having, uh, <laughs> we were having a debate over promiscuous. Like, so, you and I, like, yeah. Okay. Because this is something that we still haven't found a, a solid answer to. Yeah, I don't like the word promiscuous because I think it, because I think it's like sex shaming, slut shaming, right? Yeah. And, you know, promiscuous has such a negative connotation to it because, like, somebody could have sex with a lot of people and that's not bad, you know? So I wanted to find, like, another word that was, like, a bad kind of promiscuity, but I could not figure out. I can think of a good word that said someone who has sex with a lot of people, but not in a bad way, because yeah. English sucks. Hypersexual. I'm sure there must be a German word that can help me out, which I'm happy to get. So that, we don't have that as a trope, but we have it as a cliche yeah. for characters. So like Shane from the L word, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, also because I was you know, thinking about bisexual representation and how helpful it is also for young people who are trying to, people who are trying to figure themselves out to see bisexuality represented only, only as a you know, you just like sex, no matter the, yes. the gender of a partner, and it's just about sex, which is not the case. Mm-hmm. Like right. the Samantha type of way in the yeah. show will not name. Uh, yeah, Sex and the City was just a train wreck. Can we please move on? <laughs> on that. <laughs> she, but Samantha absolutely has promiscuous as a flag, and if she does, I'll go at that now, because good <laughs> lord, that woman got around. <laughs> and not in a great way, either. It was not good representation for women in general. No. Yeah, yeah. You know, there. I think there's respectful ways of depicting people who just like having sex with lots of people. And then there's the Samantha way, which is this overly loud kind of in your face. I don't know. The the feeling that I got also, I was quite young when I watched Sex in the City. Too young? Mm-hmm. Too young to be watching it, yes. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was kind of uh, repelling in a way, the way that she was portrayed. And especially her foray into lesbianism for like an episode. And then she was like, nope, psych. Wasn't like two, but yeah, so it, it was a couple of episodes. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, who was the woman she was with? The the Portuguese uh, lady. Yes, yes, yes. So she has a cliche, just a face. I checked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but she absolutely was bisexual for you know a hot minute. <laughs> No, she was probably bi, but that's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's a good example of bi denial. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have her as a as a client. Oh god, yeah. 
I would not want to be her therapist. Oh my god. <laughs> it just sounds like you'd be drinking after every session. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna like uh, I'm gonna come down the other side. Like I liked Samantha. I watched we we also we have we have all Sex and the City on DVD and actually it just I think for Thanksgiving Eve or something they did a whole marathon and I watched like the whole thing over again and I I don't know, I don't mind a old also she was older. Mm-hmm. And still, you know, a sex positive. I mean, I wasn't a per- perfect representation at all by any means, but I, I don't know. I like a sex positive older woman who isn't in the closet about it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was because her sex positivity was framed in such a non-feminist way, maybe. I think the problem yeah. is she's because it was what they were going for portrayed as in a very in a way typically male way. Mm. She was behaving like a womanizer, like a, a guy. So it was a manizer. So so it was not positive because it's mm-hmm. not something that even though it's can be seen as positive for a guy to be with multiple women and not care for them at all mm. it's still it's still for most women seen as something uh, her negative. partners were disposable and yeah. discardable yeah. and and i'm not sure if that's a really great representation no matter what your gender is mm. yeah that's yeah does it and yeah and, and i think she got quite a bit more human towards the end which just fell in love with the the young actor guy and like she yeah. had a relationship the model with and then she yeah. had cancer yeah yeah. Cancer, yeah yeah so they they started humanizing her uh, when mm-hmm. they saw, you know, she stopped being this token, token slut, mm-hmm. for the lack of a better term, and became a real human with problems and feelings and capable of love despite the fact that she w- was so against um, emotional entanglements in general. So it's, I mean, towards the end, she becomes a lot more likable. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot to say about Cynthia. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially Cynthia Nixon and how she must have felt. In that entire uh, bisexual scene, that was a complete disaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, definitely dated. Having mm-hmm. seen it like the last couple seasons over again recently, like it's really, really dated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, it's definitely a show that that, like I said, perhaps I would love to see a, a respectful reboot of with. Better, mm-hmm. better diversity, better queer representation. I think you need to watch mm-hmm. the bold type. I, I do need to watch the bold type. I, I need to catch up on so many things. Um, but now that I have a handy website, I can do it easier. <laughs> you can know which ones to skip. Yeah. Yes, oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hand yeah, me a tail. Skip that one. Pass. <laughs> and, and we do absolutely, I know we mentioned it earlier, but we absolutely uh, love to get corrections or shows or characters that we're missing because we're humans and we do the best that we can, but sometimes we are human. And it's great to have the world out there helping us make this better. I, I never see it as someone chastising us going, oh, well, why did you do this? But more as, hey, let me help you improve this for everyone. And I love yeah, it. We, well, we welcome feedback, absolutely. And especially uh, with, like, foreign language shows that we, you know, like, so we have a lot of uh, folks who help us out with German soaps. Yeah. That's very helpful. Yeah, I, I, if my wife watched a German soap so she could translate things for me, it was probably the worst thing I've ever done to her in our relationship. 
Yeah, I don't watch French TV. <laughs> Can't help you. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing on Russian TV that remotely resembles queer representation. So, right. You know, my, I, wife's, my wife is fluent in French, so she can uh, pitch, yeah. pitch in with that. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I actually don't watch like French TV at all. But also, yeah. I li- we live in the Netherlands, so. Yeah, I, I have to say, I was quite surprised to see the Chicas del Cable on your. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, well that's on Netflix and everybody out here watches it. Yeah, well, I love it. It's fantastic. I, I wasn't aware of how popular the show is. Um, I just started watching it as you know it, it was just there, and it has very interesting representation. Oh yeah, I binged it the second season when it came out. I like, binged it in twenty four hours. I love that show. Yeah. You made me live watch the last episode with you on Slack. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were watching it yourself. I, don't know I was watching it. it. I was watching it and recording. Like, and you, and you said, it. yeah, you said, oh, have you watched the finale? Oh, yeah, I, I, I had gone to sleep instead of watching the last episode. Did you see the Yeah. <laughs> I love that show. I mean, that is one of the great things about Netflix, though, is that it's bringing a lot of quote-unquote Netflix originals to mm-hmm. the masses, and that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of also international television and international movies that people just wouldn't and, have access to normally. And they're doing it with a with a English voiceovers or subtitles, which is great for me because my French and Spanish are awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my Spanish is not good enough to watch know, without subtitles. I know just either. enough to get confused by what people were saying on a show, and I have to actually turn off the uh, the French because I know enough to get myself into trouble, and then I get confused as to what someone said, and I've lost the train of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my problem with uh, when we have, like, here English TV with Dutch subtitles. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I can read enough of the Dutch to be get confused. It's very... Um, yeah, I, I can't do English uh, subtitles and, and French language anymore. It just it, it throws me off too much. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Anyways, we, we do need to wrap up and... Um, Go have dinner? Yeah. Eat. <laughs> And um, I hope you guys enjoy your day. And thank you so much for talking to us. And yeah, thank it you so been much a pleasure. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. Please check out Les Watch TV's website and their Twitter, which we'll put into the description to this episode. Follow us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.